In fact, yeah. I, they, they, I, are these Bluetooth? Because when I put this on, it, um, my hearing needs made the beep that they make when they connect with something that's Bluetooth. Oh, weird. No. Yeah. So, so no. you might even I mean, not know. You're cabled right here. So. Yeah. So, but I mean. Weird. Yeah. Here we go. Hello. Uh, yeah. Does that work? Yeah. Does sound good? <laughs> so if you don't mind. You know, to kind of eat the mic. How about that? I can do that. Some Britney Spears. <laughs> I'll just do that. <laughs> Although, it's clean, though. It's clean, I promise. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We just cleaned up. Sterilizing yeah. things. Germaphobe things. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Um, all right. Well, welcome to uh, back to Commuteville, uh, Temecula. It's, um, it's been a while since we've been here. It's probably, phew, I haven't put one out in a month or so. Today's a little more educational podcast um, compared to some of the other ones that are just a little more fun or things to do this is definitely it's still fun don't get me wrong very fun but there and there's definitely but there's some education to be had here so um, you know for your drive right now hopefully you will uh, learn something today more than you learned before so without further ado and me just talking and talking too much let me Pass introduce the mic. to you hi Hi, <laughs> welcome. Are you going to introduce our guest? Welcome to our podcast. Like, shall studio. I say my name or shall you say? <laughs> do you want to say it or do you want? Yeah, I don't. I can do that. My name is Kristen Stratton, and I've been in Temecula for about five years now. And I believe you have asked me on to be the resident expert for what the goings on are in the deaf and hard of hearing community here in Temecula. And I do a lot of advocacy work within the school district and within the uh, deaf and hard of hearing community. And I've also traveled nationally to do speaking events. So I'm just here to educate and, you know, learn from you. You learn from me. Can we share how we even met? Yeah, you can absolutely yeah. share. So I can't remember what Facebook group it was on. Uh, was it Temecula was our Talk? It might or, have been our, our neighborhood, neighborhood one. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw uh, a message from Kristen on Facebook. She basically was reaching out and saying, asking if anyone would like to have a play date with her son and kind of have an opportunity to learn some ASL. And I love ASL is American Sign Language. Thank yes. you. Thank yes. you. I just want to make sure. And I, I have two young children and I thought that would be such a great experience. And I thought maybe they might go to the same school. So it'd be a chance for them to meet somebody else, somebody new before the fall. And so we had a play date and that's how I met Kristen and her son and just started to learn about all the cool stuff that she is doing. And then I started seeing her everywhere at school and realizing how involved she is. I just think that her background is so interesting. I keep learning more and more about what you've done in the past and what you're doing right now and um, Can I just say one thing too? That's awesome that you use that platform. And totally. I think other people should, and everybody should reach out if you're having any form of your new mom or your new dad or yes. anything. Get I mean, reach out because anybody and everybody is on there. Anything that you need. That's very true. Anyway, yes. that's, <laughs> we'll get back to, yes, it's you guys met. Yeah, we wanted to have we, we met and did a, yes, we did a play date, and my kids were loving learning. Well, meeting her son, who's just the cutest thing in the entire world. I agree, and <laughs> and learning some American Sign Language, and they've been super excited about it. Like, in fact, they made sure that they asked me to find out how to say Halloween from you I will before you, you leave. Um, cause they're always asking me and now we see her son all the time at school and I just am so fascinated to learn. In fact, I just learned something new this tonight. I always thought that the correct terminology for the deaf community was hearing impaired. I always thought that was kind of the politically correct way to talk about it, but I just learned that's not the case. Yeah. So I don't know the exact timeline when that ceased being appropriate, but as far as the deaf and hard of hearing community, which are the um, appropriate terms now, as far as they're concerned, and I, and I can't speak for everybody because I'm sure there's somebody out there listening that, you know, okay uh, knows, knows somebody or, who's... Yeah you know, yeah. deaf or hard of hearing that uses hearing impairment and doesn't really mind. Um, but for some of you history buffs, there was a long history of we oppression. History. There was a long history of oppression of deaf people and uh, restricting their access to sign language and um, promoting oralism or the use of speech or English um, within America. And so because of that, um, a lot of 
people didn't prefer the term hearing impaired because they didn't identify as being impaired or broken. I can understand that. Um, And so now that American Sign Language, which really started receiving more recognition back in the 1960s, is um, still not recognized the way it should be right now in 2019, but it's still come a long way since then. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that that's becoming more mainstream and more um, respected by society, the terms deaf and hard of hearing are really um, the go-tos now. Those are the politically correct. Yeah. And, right. um, I think you'll still see hearing impaired in the medical and sometimes educational settings, but yeah. I would probably relegate that more to a medical terminology now. And even then, I think p- practitioners are picking up on that not being appropriate. Yeah. Anymore. Right. That right. makes a lot of sense how you explain that. Right. So you do you mind explaining kind of your family's background in terms of the deaf and yeah. hard of hearing? Yeah. So I come from a family with a very strong history of hearing loss. Um, as far back as we know, my mater- uh, my paternal grandmother was hard of hearing. Um, my cousin on my father's side is also hard of hearing. My dad is um, hard of hearing, although I think probably by, by now he has reached a level of being um, deaf. I think he would be considered mm. profound at this point. Um, so our hearing loss in our family is very rare. There is a research paper on it, but there's only three families identified in that study at the time wow. it was done. Wow. Now, now, granted... Now, are you one of the three families? Uh, no, we're not. I should, okay. I should probably just... You could be four. I could be four. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, um, genetic technology has come a long way in terms of how we sequence DNA and how we identify genetic mutations. So it's very possible that there's many, many more of us out there now and it's just not a big deal anymore. And we're not as cool as I think we are. But <laughs> but um so Oh you're cool. <laughs> I, okay. Tell my kids that you're Temecula yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah I'm, well, Temecula. I'm Temecula cool. That's right. Um so my hearing loss started when I was about five years old and progressed to um what someone would be considering moderate at this point, moderate to severe, which if you know nothing about hearing loss, that's fine. So basically we quantify hearing loss in two ways, in frequency, so how high or low a pitch is, Mm -hmm. and then in volume, so how loud or soft a sound is. And where those two points converge on a, um, for all you you know, math nerds, the X and Y <laughs> axis points, mm-hmm. those those are plotted. And then that's how we know where we hear certain pitches and tones. Um, so basically, as I got older, I had less access to spoken language. Mm. And then... So, oh, go uh, ahead. Sorry, as less access, you're, yeah. you're referring to basically your, your hearing... Correct. ...went away yeah. from that. Correct. Right. Okay. Yeah, so my hearing decreased. Um And I grew up in a family where the deaf culture and deaf community were not a part of our lives. And so I really did not have an awareness or an understanding or a self-identification of being deaf. And then I had three children and my youngest has um, multiple disabilities. And so in our process of investigating what was going on with him, we did genetic testing. And it came back that we were able to identify this familial gene that causes hearing Crazy. loss. Which is really wow. cool. Because otherwise we cool. wouldn't have that information. Yeah. Um, and then when he was two, because we knew hearing loss ran in the family, we were proactive when we got audio. Um, audiology appointments about every six months to a year for all of our kids. And then when he was just shy of two, he was identified as severely hard of hearing. And we were like, okay, so what are we going to do here? Because he's two. He has a lot of stuff going on. He's a very complicated kiddo. So what are our best communication options here? And we decided to give him as many choices as possible, which included incorporating American Sign Language into our family and into our lives. And ever since then, I think a lot of doors have opened and our life is a lot more beautiful because of it. Now, so you didn't, you didn't force him. To no. do it. And that's, I mean, is that something that you notice in, in the deaf community? You get a, you kind of give a choice to if you learn American Sign Language or not. I mean, it's a really polarizing um, conversation within the community. So you have a lot of different camps. You have the people that are very um, deaf pride and are um, not interested in incorporating 
um, hearing technology. So whether that be something like a hearing aid or a cochlear implant or a Baja, those are different types of amplification devices. They're just not interested in that. They're fully satisfied with um, American Sign Language as their primary language and live very full, rich lives. I mean, we have people that are engineers and we have people that worked in the White House and we have very accomplished professionals whose language is American Sign Language and they do not speak English. Yeah. Um, and then we have other camps which include people who do not want to sign. They want their child to speak or they, as an adult, wanted to learn how to speak. They have technology. Um, so there's a just a huge spectrum and in between that you'll find somebody who has hearing aids and signs or has mm-hmm. um you know cochlear implants and speaks english but doesn't sign or you know you mm-hmm. have such a divi- diverse um group within this very small population because it's what um is considered a low incidence disability which means a very very small percentage of the population in our country is born and identified as being deaf or hard of hearing. Really? Do you know what the percentage is? Just out of curiosity. I, you know what? I I don't. She was like I knew you were going to ask. I, no, I I I did. I used to be able to rattle it off right. and it, it's it's not on the tip of my tongue right now, but that's But really it's a very low. But it's very small. Oh, interesting. And that's just yeah. someone that would be born innate. Like basically hereditary, right? Well, okay. So here's an interesting fact. This this statistic I do. (laughs) Okay. So about ninety percent of people who are born deaf are actually born into hearing families, which means about only ten percent of people are culturally deaf or generationally deaf, meaning their grandparents, their parents were native signers, and they just grew up in that community, um, which is really surprising because I think people would probably think the opposite. And then of that percentage, only about 15% of hearing families ever learn American Sign Language for their children, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think has to do with a lot of things, um, including just our society's preference for people who can speak English, in our case in America, English is the dominant language, Um, and that not speaking is associated with not being as intelligent or not being as capable. Not speaking just English? Not, yeah. Or, yeah. 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 English or just not speaking at all because um, there are a lot of people with disabilities for whom language is very difficult. And so they use alternative communication methods, sure. whether it's technology or they use sign language, even yeah. if they're not deaf or hard of hearing. Um, and the presumption is if you're not physically able to speak. I understand. Yeah. You're... A little Something, worse off yeah. than a lot of people. Yeah. Something's wrong, basically. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong. And, and there's also a presumption that you're not as intelligent. In fact, that mm. used to be what people were called was deaf and dumb. Oh, well, wow. Which, which <laughs> yeah. you know, 100 years ago didn't necessarily mean dumb in the way that we interpret sure. that in 2019. But it's just that that pity piece that, yeah. oh, poor you, you can't speak like that. Well, this, 100 right? years ago, they used to think that women couldn't vote and women had pea brains. So. Right, right, <laughs> right. So I actually had a question. So I've worked with a lot of kids with cochlear implants. Mm-hmm. With my background working with kids with learning disabilities, that just happened to be somebody that we worked with a lot. Not that that's necessarily a learning disability, but it, like, does anyone that's hard of hearing have access to that kind of technology or is it just is there like on the spectrum of hearing loss and being hard of hearing, is there certain types of people that would benefit from them and other people that wouldn't? I know it's also like a choice, right? Also for some people that they have access to it, but they choose not to. Right. But I'm just wondering like what people are able to get that kind of technology and... Those are all really good if questions. You've considered it, yeah. So we um, we obviously considered it because um, we are very big proponents of informed consent, meaning knowing the benefits and risks of all your choices, and then making the choice that's most appropriate for yourself if you're the patient, or in this case, sure. for our child as the parents. Um, no pressure, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why, yeah you know, it's only your child. Well, what would, what would be the opposite of that? You would just say, you have this to. This is what you're doing. You're doing. Right. This. And this we, uh, we, I know it's best for you, and this is what okay. right. you're doing. So what we did was um, we wanted to make sure that American Sign Language was on the table, regardless of the technology choice. Yeah. Because as a hard-of-hearing person myself, so I grew up fully... Um, 
you know, speaking English, mainstreamed in school, um, you know, went through college, grad school, all, the, all of that. Um, but the piece that was missing for me was when my technology failed, yep. I didn't have a backup. I was just thinking about that, yeah. Because hearing no, aids do, yeah. they break. Batteries yeah. die. When you, did you first get your hearing aid? Um, that's a good question. So I was identified as hard of hearing at the age of five. And for whatever reason, and I, I honestly don't know if it was just um, – the push at the time, you know, this was the 80s where, you know, being a quote unquote disabled person, um, which I can talk about later about how the deaf community feels about that term disability. But, um, you know, I don't I don't know why I didn't get hearing aids sooner. One of the reasons is most insurance companies do not cover hearing aids. Well, That's crazy. Which now, is has crazy. that changed? So crazy. No. no. Yeah, of oh, course. That's gosh. still so part of the course. In fact, there is currently... They'll just give you a megaphone to hold it to your ear, right? <laughs> yeah. I have a very wonderful group of friends who just spent the better part of um, two or three years lobbying um, the state of California for a bill called um, Let California Kids Hear, which was ideally going to help um, children, so 18 and under, have mandatory hearing aid access um, for from insurance companies and vendors and providers in the yeah, state. that's awesome. That has been tabled, did not get passed, but mm. the conversation is still ongoing. Um, so just if anyone doesn't have a reference point, most hearing aids, um, if we're getting a set of two, we're talking anywhere ballpark from about twenty five hundred up to about five thousand dollars. Oh my Jeez. gosh! That's and crazy. that does not include the cost of the mold. So that's the um, piece that goes inside of the ear. That's kind of either like a flexible. Um, I, I don't know what we're calling the material these days, but anyway, yeah. that especially in your so it's not really fitted. Like if you're going to go fitted, you're going to a lot of money yeah well basically you have to get it fit because okay. you have to get that well you're in you're in sound you know about this you, you know a lot of those people who are musicians they have yeah, the custom ear molds so that they can hear themselves because it it's noise canceling for everything external so you mm -hmm. want whatever's going yeah. in the microphone to go into your ear but everything else that's ambient to not get picked up well it's not it doesn't work that perfectly but you know if you're a child your ears are growing because you're growing so sure. parents are paying out of pocket for yeah. ear molds and that are like to 50 yeah. to, doing it right yeah, like 50 to 100 hundred dollars a set every like three to six months oh, oh man um so you know for some people that's nominal but for some people that's like the difference between yeah. Yeah. eating or gas in the car yeah, yeah. um so it's like uh -huh. oh and then you feel and this, it's imperative yeah and then you feel this pressure to you know oh my kid's not going to be successful if they don't hear if they don't speak so that i mean that's a, that's a big daunting thing to accept when your child is identified let's yeah. say they don't pass their newborn hearing screen they we call that passing the deaf deaf test because <laughs> most people call it failing and well, so, <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome deaf change, like change, that. Change, he's change like wait a minute no no, no right? you pass, yeah you pass you pass the deaf test yeah um, that's awesome yeah so <laughs> it's just um it's very interesting i and i i forget what else you asked Oh, co oh, cochlear. Yeah. Implants. Well, you, I'm just. Do you know what a cochlear implant is? Yeah. It's okay. Am I correct in saying that it's basically, it's an implant behind your ear? Is it, that correct? It's actually under the skin. Okay. And there's a, there's a wire. There's a wire that goes and um, where your auditory nerve would connect and communicate with your brain. There's a coil in in its place. And so a lot of people don't realize that when you make the decision to get a cochlear implant, if you have any residual hearing at all, you're actually going to lose access to that residual hearing, which is one of the wow. one of the considerations when making that decision to implant yeah. or not. Because when that cochlear is off, you actually are hearing less, less. than what you had before wow. so for some people I, I have so many friends whose kids are culturally deaf and they sign and who chose to get cochlear implants because they wanted to they w felt that that was giving their kids the best best of both worlds it's such an individual choice mm -hmm. um but anyway that that's a surgical process so you have to do a lot no, of work sorry for just, that. is that the one that is a little more visible yeah so the processors now are starting to get a lot smaller in fact the most recent one that i saw um is about i don't know the size of an eggshell mm -hmm. and it's flat um it's probably about like a quarter of an inch in um, height, so from from the base of your head up, you're mm -hmm. only going up about a quarter inch. So I'm sure as technology evolves, yeah. that's going to yeah. be even less and less um, 
visible, but the but just as expensive, but just and as not covered by insurance, and co- right? And cochlear implants are way more expensive because, like I said, it's a surgery, and then you have right. to do a very, very um, demanding schedule of going and getting in uh, what they call mapping, which is where they're trying to program it in the computer so that your brain is understanding because it doesn't sound like normal speech. It doesn't sound like what your listeners are listening to right now. Mm-hmm. That's not what the, it sounds like. What they're hearing mm-hmm. is the oh, sweet dulcet really? tones. Yeah. It at first can found, sound very um, almost like it's been described as like a chipmunk, like Alvin and the chipmunk kind of. Oh, um, wow. or, like a sped up record yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, or just very tinny, like very metallic sounding. So it, the programming has to be played with and um, your brain has to learn to listen. Your brain has mm. to accept this sound as speech or this sound as music so um it takes time but so sometimes it can maybe be work i mean there's some people that get it done and they have complications um from the surgical from the surgery or um yeah or they yeah they're unhappy with that choice so uh, when we were investigating options for our son we did go through the consultative process with the audiologist um, and in that process, we were also trialing hearing aids and I'm not against hearing aids. I'm wearing hearing aids right now as I speak mm-hmm. to you. And I have a, another son who is hard of hearing, who uses hearing aids. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. And wow. for my youngest. I not was... only advocate, I wear them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when my youngest had a extremely adverse reaction to them, just mm. hated it. Just, I mean, tearing them in pieces and throwing them in the opposite direction. If really? you recall, I told you how much they cost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine trying to get a child to put something in their ears, let alone our child doesn't even wear her glasses. Right. I know. Like, how, <laughs> how many parents can't even get their kids to put oh, shoes on before yeah, they get exactly. out the door, let Jeez, alone putting... Yeah. And it's not comfortable. Um, if you're a lady, you'll know when I tell you that there's nothing better than taking off your bra at the end of the day. It feels better than that. <laughs> oh, so, that's saying a lot. Yeah. So there's... And as a parent with a hearing loss, it's really awesome. Awesome that when my kids are not getting along or they're being really loud, I can you just take it out and pop out oh, my hearing aid. Oh like, my god! My husband yeah. who has like perfect hearing, he just looks at me and he's like, "I hate you." <laughs> That's a definite <laughs> advantage that you have. Yeah. There are some there are some positives, definite right? positives to being a deaf or hard of hearing parent. Oh, that's funny. Um, so anyway, it, I feel like William, that's my youngest son's name. He, I feel like he made the choice for us. He really just was watching her hands and was really trying to sign and express himself that way. And so even though we offered both options and we still do to this day, I maintain his hearing needs and they're available, available to him always. Um, he is super happy being deaf and I support that yeah, because more nice. than anything, we want happy, happiness, happy, well-adjusted, totally. confident yeah. kids. Um, and I didn't want his memory of our relationship to be me restraining him and shoving something in his ear yeah. um, that may or may not even work. And and anyone listening who has a different opinion, that's totally fine. It's such it's such an individual choice. Yeah. Um, when did you first kind of do the hearing aid thing? I think we didn't really. Oh yeah. I so curious. I didn't get my first hearing aid one singular yeah. um, <laughs> until I was fifteen, which I was the only person wow. in my world in my little teenage sphere that had hearing loss let alone was wearing a hearing aid so that like, must have been going hard a 15 year old oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. So that's I, already oh miserable no. yeah so that was like oh great like anytime i go on a date i'm like trying to oh, cover yeah. the hair you know oh my gosh but there's no fooling oh. people because when you like go in to hug somebody those old school hearing aids were like an analog microphone so cool? when you got too close yeah you got the real like if <laughs> oh, anyone yeah. ever remembers like hugging their grandma yeah grandma, that's what i was gonna say <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> wow, really, really the loud, feedback. obnoxious whistling noise, and it yeah, the feedback. So, thankfully, we've come a long way with yeah. hearing aid technology. Yeah. Most technology, uh, most hearing aids utilize Bluetooth technology now. Yeah, and the microphones are much better. That being said, it still does not sound like what normal hearing, like a person who has normal hearing, quote unquote. Um, has it, it's just never going to right. be ideal. a replacement yeah. yeah 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 um but that being said we're you know i'm immensely proud of the decisions that we've made because i see the product which is a happy kid and and he is a very happy kid <laughs> yeah, very that's happy. awesome we get to see him every morning 
with the stop sign, like helping the crossing guards nice. direct traffic. And he <laughs> is like brightening everyone's day with his giant smile. I mean, he just looks like he's just loving life. Yes. That's and awesome. that is the most important yeah. thing. Yeah. He's very lucky to have parents that have allowed him to make those choices. And he can always reassess his choices Absolutely. as he gets older. Yeah. and. Yeah. That might change, but his big the biggest thing is that he's happy and he has friends and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like no matter what as a parent, your kid's gonna look back and go, Why did it, why did you do that? Or why did yeah. you not do it? Of this course. Way? Because that's yeah. just that's what we do. part of the process. <laughs> yeah. Right. Did and you? Oh, of course. I remember calling my mom after I had, had all my children and I was probably <laughs> sobbing. <Aww. laughs> I was just like, I get it now, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry, you know. Oh like, you just, you don't, you don't understand. And, and you know, not everyone's a parent, but if you've ever had to be in the position where you're looking out for someone's best interest, you hope you're doing the right yeah. thing. But you really don't know. You yeah. don't have a crystal ball where you can look 20 years into the future and be like, oh, thank God that was the right decision. Yeah. Now, no. were you given, did you raise in a family that was given choice of whether or not you wanted to or like, it was like we were talking about before then? Yeah, that's a good question. So I don't feel like my parents realized that that was an option to incorporate the deaf community into our family. Um, and I'm, I don't know why. Um, I largely suspect it's because um, audiology and the medical community um, are not very forthcoming with choices. You tend to, you know, talk about what you know. And that's not to say that they did so maliciously or intentionally, but I think there's just such limited knowledge and exposure when you go through medical school or when you go through an audiology program, you're obviously talking about hearing aids and, mm -hmm. and amplification. Right. So there's just kind of an inherent inherent bias in that. And then in the medical field, I really don't, don't think there's education out there. I mean, I literally spent about four hours on the phone yesterday um, trying to secure an interpreter for my son to have an, at a doctor appointment, even though it's been covered wow. by the Americans with Disabilities Act for years. Oh, um, wow. So there's just a really... Um, large disconnect between what the law says and what the research says and what people know. And so I guess. Well, let's, I don't want to rat anybody out, but no. I mean, do you feel, let's get into Temecula a little bit. Do you feel that that could be a Temecula problem with the doctor or? Um, so, so there's a couple things about Temecula. So Temecula does have a deaf and hard of hearing community. Um, they have, you know, a, a strong network. And um, some people might not even realize that that exists here, but mm -hmm. deaf people are really uh, amazing at finding their people mm -hmm. and connecting because language is everything. Connecting through language and communication is how we grow as people. It's how we live our lives. So yeah. um, in fact, I think people who travel internationally and nationally, even though sign languages are different in different countries, there's just that commonality when you run into somebody else who's deaf and who signs, you're just like, oh, my people, you know? Yeah. It's like uh, relaxing, it's right? Yeah, exactly. It, because you don't have to worry. Yeah, because well, you, you get it. It's like yeah. when you meet somebody yeah. who has the same story as you, you just, maybe you didn't come up, you know, in from completely similar backgrounds, but you've had enough shared experiences that it just does like it, you, like you said, it's relaxing. Right. It takes some of the pressure off. Um, so you is, know you're going to have a good conversation. Exactly. You can understand. Well, <laughs> you have that in common. Right. Like, right. It's relatable. Right. So there's hundreds of sign languages is out there, but I feel like um, you just figure it out. Which by the way, when you said that, I, I was surprised. I'm like, Oh, Sign language would be different in different countries, but yeah. this is American sign language. Yeah. Exactly. That's very interesting. But and it kind of so translates across. It, well, so interesting factoid about um, American sign language is it's actually deeply rooted in the French language. Oh. Um, because, the language of love. Right, the language <laughs> of love. So just as with um, Spanish or um, Italian or French, as you know, which is what it's uh, modeled after, the 
order of the words is very different. So a lot of people have this misconception that American Sign Language is simply just someone signing the word that corresponds to the English word. Verbatim. Not at all. That's not at all the case. In fact, there's a lot, like the the conjugations for to be um, are not in American Sign Language. And there's just a lot like the word the. um, Those are just not words that are used in American Sign Language. So um, it's not, they're not one in the same. English and ASL are very different, um, which is really cool. It truly is a different language that stands on its own and meets all the syntax and grammatical rules to be a full and complete language. So um, as far as Temecula goes, it's, it's a very small community yeah. in, in and of itself. It's growing. Already. It's just... Oh gosh, it's growing too much, but that's another yeah. conversation for another and day. A, yeah. a there's a weird acceptance, really a but anymore. not acceptance. And yeah. What is that It's community? the next Orange County. That's what they always say. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Please not. <laughs> I, no. I'm from Orange County. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. No offense. <laughs> was, no offense. No, no. That was... <laughs> I think that's the mass. Like, there's either Orange County, there's San Diego, or there's pretty much LA. Like, it's just yeah. this... Yeah. Yeah. It's a big mix. What does that community look like in Temecula? Like, how do you communicate? Are there, the like... The deaf community. The deaf community. Not the Orange County community. No, definitely no. not the Orange County. Not the San Diego or the... So this is not to say that like one deaf person knows every single person who's deaf because that's not the case at all. We right. have, we all have our social circles and the yeah. limitations to those. Um, but because people who are deaf do have that unity, and I'm speaking about people who are culturally deaf, so people who use American Sign Language, even if they use English as well, that's that's a part of how they identify mm-hmm. themselves is through that language. Um, we really strive to find our people wherever we're at. So for example, you know, our, the church that we attend has a deaf ministry and that was important to us because I wanted my son to grow up with people who he could look up to and have as role models because that was not me. That wasn't my primary language. I didn't grow up signing. So it's a second language for me. Um, So I wanted him to see that he could grow up not speaking, if that ends up being the case, and still be happy and successful. Yeah. Um, and so for Temecula, that was that was difficult to find. I had to be really resourceful and, if I may say so, annoying to probably <laughs> some people. Well. <laughs> there are a couple of people that when I asked if I could come to their, you know, deaf coffee events, they kind of looked at me like, no, because you're not like, Deaf wow. enough, you know. Yeah, um, which is deaf, deaf enough. Which I I don't take offense to because yeah. if you your whole life have been fighting to be recognized as a person, I get that everybody needs their space where they can just relax and not feel like they're teaching someone or mentoring mm-hmm. someone. So we all have to hang up our you know our coat and just yeah. relax for the day. And I I get that. So what we were very lucky to find was um, a few deaf adults who really embraced my family and said we got you like we're gonna take care of you and they've been an integral part of my son just confidently embracing his language but also me going oh I guess I'm deaf too (laughs) 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 I never would have like 10 years ago if you had told me that I was gonna be sitting you know talking on a podcast about how I feel like I'm a deaf person yeah I would never ever wow I would said you're crazy or that, like, when I go to uh, events where the speaker is going to be really far away from me, I request an interpreter for myself. I never, ever would have imagined that I would be doing that. Very um, interesting. Wow. It, but all that stuff. Now, is, it, is that just from an acceptance standpoint? Yeah, I think or, I mean, so. In a self-advocacy. Yeah. You know? Was it more that you wanted to fight it and be, or? I just I, don't think that I felt like I was enough. Like, I wasn't. Like oh, I'm not those that that's reserved for people with like profound hearing loss who can't hear anything. And maybe well, almost like the coffee people said, basically yeah. you're just not deaf enough. Yeah, and and <laughs> you're you know in that middle ground. Yeah, and and it is a tricky place to be to be a hard of hearing person because you really aren't fully in either world. But at the same time, I will say that um, having the ability to speak English 
And the ability to sign has enabled me to be an advocate for my son in a way that, um, you know, I think a lot of people who are hearing take for granted. You know, we, t- we talk about like um, hearing privilege that gets thrown around in the community about how you don't realize that. Um, for example, you can call and make a doctor appointment tomorrow and be seen and it's not an issue. Whereas for someone who um, either needs an interpreter or who maybe um, is relying on lip reading or whatever, they are not confident that they're going to get the same access or the same quality care or be seen right away. Yeah. Um, so... That's stressful. I mean, that's yeah. a lot oh, yeah. to walk around with. That's, um, and that was that. so lost on me before I had to be part of that fight. So I just wow. never realized how crazy and how much effort you have to go through just to be equal, just to just to have the same seat at the table, let alone be part of the conversation. Right. Well, and that kind of brought you to doing some of the advocacy work that you do, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think that I woke up one day and was like, I'm going to be an advocate. It just kind of found me. It's a hard job. It is. And um, this little backstory. So I, I, I have a very interesting and colorful past of just kind of whatever life you know, leads me to, I'm like, okay, that'll be my new job. (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. So when my son was born, he had a very difficult birth. And as a result, um, I had a very traumatic postpartum experience. And that led me to becoming a birth doula. So I worked as a birth doula, which means that when someone went into labor or went in for a cesarean and they wanted a support person, I would go in there and I would be there with the husband, the wife, or whomever is having Mm -hmm. the baby and be that um, intermediary between the medical world and the family. Yeah. So that um, kind of laid the ground, the foundation for a lot of the advocacy w- work I do now. Um, but it's just interesting how you don't realize that life's preparing you for a future that you don't know about. And mm-hmm. then you look back and you're totally. like, oh my gosh, well, if it, I hadn't gone through that, I would not have yeah. any skills. It sounds like you've, you've fought through your problems or demons by heading and, and helping someone else absolutely and changing it and and that's probably where yeah because i mean i and everyone's the way that they overcome their challenges or their traumas looks differently for but like just like you said for me it's always been okay how do i take this negative feeling or this negative emotion or negative experience and make it better and it, it has always defaulted into trying to make it better for the next person mm-hmm. um which, and, and I probably credit my parents with that because they were always instilling in us the value of giving back to others. But then I was a very stubborn and opinionated child. <laughs> and so I think that coupled with my experiences led me to have the, um, just the tenacity that's required in advocacy because it's exhaustive and it's very, very um, difficult and it's emotionally draining sometimes because you're heavily invested in the outcomes, both for yourself and then for other people. Um, But it's also incredibly gratifying when things work out and when things go well. Yeah. And that's, and you have to be annoying when you do that. Absolutely. (laughs) You have to be (laughs) annoying, right? Oh, that's what we call persistence. Yes, persistence. Tenacity. <laughs> tenacity, yeah, tenacity is a good is word. A good word. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. So I guess here in the Temecula community, obviously getting back to that, what what kind of push is there to kind of support that? So if we're talking about children, there are a lot more early intervention options as far as county and state programs. So for example, here in Temecula, we're part of Riverside County. So when a child is early identified as having a hearing loss, generally speaking, the parent is referred to a county program, which provides early intervention services, usually in the child's home a couple times a week with a credentialed teacher who has experience with working with children who are deaf or hard of hearing. So they're qualified to work with that population. Um, And then once they turn three, depending on the child's cognitive abilities and possibility of other diagnoses, they're either um, dropped from that program and, you know, assumed by the school district and, you know, move on through that or something right or the or they'll go into the regional center which is a nonprofit organization which is chartered by the state to provide services for people with disabilities so there are a lot of supports in that sense the problem being as i mentioned before it's such a low incidence disability that even though Mm. there are programs there they're not 
customized or designed for deaf and hard of hearing children. So very often parents are, you don't know what you don't know, right? So there are advocates that work very closely, especially in that zero to three age. In fact, I have a very good friend who's that's where her niche is. That's what she's been doing for that early majority of her stuff. life is yeah. working as a, a parent rep for um, an organization in our county that helps families navigate those first few years when your child's identified. But once they're out of that program, it does feel like the supports drop off and the concentration of experts kind of dissipates. So then you're, you become the expert. Yeah. And you've only been the parent of this child for three years and right. now you're the expert now yeah, you have exactly. to teach yourself yeah right. now you're teaching everybody and that's exhausting so that's yeah. where organizations like the one that i volunteer for which is california hands of voices they provide no, like, can uh, they find that on the internet yeah they can find that it's um cahandsandvoices.org and we provide advocacy support for children with um a deaf or hard of hearing diagnosis at no cost to the parents wow that's um, amazing we're volunteers, so there's limitations to that. <laughs> Sometimes you need to hire an advocate, um, and then that's where my other hat, you know, goes on. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't funnel the volunteerism into the business, so the, those are very two separate mm-hmm. um, entities. One doesn't feed the other, but when um, parents have exhausted their free resources, they very often have to hire somebody to help them navigate the school district or navigate um, IEP IEPs and, and yeah and not to say that um, it's because the people from the district or wherever they're living um, are trying to make life difficult. It's a very small subset of a population so, You really, it's kind of like when you go to the pediatrician. The pediatrician knows a little bit about everything, but when something pops up, they go, well, I'm going to give you a referral to so-and-so because they, that's all they do is deal with this. Um, So that's kind of what we're asking school districts to be is to be pediatricians and specialists all at the same time. And that's, that's really difficult. So we do have deaf and hard of hearing itinerant teachers that most of the time the school districts have on staff, or if not, they can contract from a county program and they can come in and kind of be um, the consulting teacher about how to make accommodations. But it's just not the same Mm -hmm. as having someone who's either lived it personally coming in and saying, you know, this is this is what really works. This is what your book says, but this is what real yeah. works. Um, no. And that's where deaf mentors come in. And that's what my son has. And we found this amazing woman who comes and we do compensate her for her time because she's worth it. Um, because her time is valuable. But she's doing it not to get rich. She's doing it because she just really wants a good quality of life for our son. Um, so that's- Now, and a, a deaf mentor mm-hmm. is what? Is a person who is culturally deaf, meaning that they have grown up in that community, they identify as being deaf, and they use American Sign Language, and they come into a family's life. Um, The circumstances and the arrangement varies. Like I said, we do um, provide her with some funds for her time, but her heart isn't at 100%. So she comes in and she interacts with our son as a language peer. So there's no, you know, fumbling a word because it's your second language like it is when he's talking with mom. Although I have to give myself credit. I feel like I've gotten pretty good over the You're years. You're probably pretty fluent. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, know. I would not I would not say I'm I don't sign like a native signer. You can it's like a an accent, you yeah. know. Um I have the 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 accent of someone who didn't do it from birth. But <laughs> um but she comes in and she just normalizes it for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Shows you this is what it's like living. Yeah. Yeah. And look at me. I grew up and I'm an adult and you're going to be just like me someday. And it's just nice to see that. Yeah. So I've seen her with your son. And so she's not, she's not interpreting because she's herself as deaf. So no one can, unless they speak American Sign Language, can communicate with her. Well, I think that that would be, Taking from the resilience that the resiliency that a lot of deaf and hard people have, we live in a hearing world. So I think that's why there's a big push for technology because here we're seeing is this world's not built for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Try to get as close to being 
quote unquote normal as possible yeah. so that your life isn't difficult because life is already hard, right? Sure. But I totally understand where they're coming from on that. The problem is, like I said, technology is imperfect. It's not a, it's a bandaid. It's a tool. It's not going to fix someone. Yeah. Um, so having someone come in and I just inherently understands that whole process um, and grew up that way and knows what it's like to be discriminated against and knows mm, what it's yeah. like to be um, misunderstood and to demonstrate a resiliency and model that. And um, so to answer your question, I, a, a lot of people don't give enough credit to people who are deaf or hard of hearing in their abilities to navigate interacting with a hearing person. Yeah. Right. They figure it out. Because yeah. they've survived their whole life doing it. So, yeah. you wow. know. Um, and now I understand why they're referred to as a mentor, too. Yes. Because it's mm-hmm. so much more than just an aid or... It's not tutoring. It's, not, it's yeah. so much deeper than that. It's yeah. kind of like... Um, uh, I guess the hearing equivalent would be like the big brother, big sister. That's exactly program. what I was just thinking of. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where it's people who identify with a certain subset of children go, I know exactly what you're going yeah, through. I can relate. And-, and I'm here to make sure that you grow up feeling good about yourself and feeling confident and feel empowered. And you're not alone. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's just a really beautiful thing about the deaf community. And I, in large part, have found that they, especially in here in Temecula, have been very giving and very willing to help. So, you know, maybe my one burn from not getting invited to Deaf Coffee. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't take from the fact that overwhelmingly it's been a positive and a welcoming experience. Um, Well, the Deaf community seems like a very tight community. Absolutely. Like, obviously, that's their relaxation, like you said. And it makes much more sense when you say that. Obviously, when I hear... Oh, you're you're not deaf enough. But when you say like you take your coat off at the end of the day, yeah. you get to relax. You don't have to worry about someone else understanding or trying to talk to you exactly. instead of yeah. Yeah. Wow. We we all need a place where we can just go and just be. Yeah. Um and that's that's not unique to the deaf community. That that's a human thing. Yeah. yeah. Um we just we all need a chance where we can just completely relax and just be yeah well and tracy was telling me about names Mm -hmm. some naming within the deaf community yeah Yeah. so so if you are someone who signs and you are a hearing person and you are involved in the deaf community you might be gifted what is called a sign name so we don't use english we're using american sign language so typically when you share your name in american sign language you're finger spelling each individual letter to spell out your name well, that can be a process. Yeah. So that's a really long Depending name. on what your name is, yeah. <laughs> but give, being give, gifted, I, I choose that word carefully because um, it is a gift. Being you, It's kind of like a rite of passage where you've demonstrated a respect for the language mm-hmm. and a respect for the community enough that you can only be given one by another deaf person. Mm-hmm. Um they give you a um, a sign abbreviation for your name. So, but it's generally something that's specific and meaningful to your character and who you are. So, something that's identifiable that's about so a cool. special quality that wow. they see in you. Wow! So, so um, they get to know you first. Yes. And it's some, oh, that's nice. so neat. yeah. It took me like four years to get my name signed. Oh. <laughs> wow! You had to work for it. I had to work for wow. it. <laughs> Yeah, to work what for the what coffee. Is your, yeah, to work what for is everything. your name look like? So mine is the letter K with the paired with the sign for smile. Oh, which is really cool because that's actually my son's name. Except his is with a W paired oh, with the sign wow. for smile. Oh, cool. Um, he got his way earlier than mine, <laughs> which is totally fine. Because um, in fact, his um, deaf and hard of hearing teacher when he was a baby is who gave that to him. Oh, that's he's, neat. He's always been such a happy person. Um, so it's it's perfect. It speaks exactly to who he is yeah but yeah that's a really good question that's awesome. you brought that up so you say so you say it's a very small percentage of people mm-hmm. how many people would you say just so we understand in temecula okay. i guess do you know I, that? obviously you don't know, do you know? No, i mean more but yeah but i mean just give us an idea identify hundreds or like 30 oh, yeah. no oh hundreds no i would i would say i would say probably around 100 wow yeah. and that's that, just that, that would that be just i temecula. know of that i could you know, rattle off either by name or by association. Um, If there's more, I want to find them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Okay. Contact her. Yeah. And I'm by no means like the resident Temecula 
deaf expert because, like yeah. I said, I'm, you know, some people might be listening to this and be like, that girl is not deaf. But people <laughs> just need help. So to yeah. segue into something else, and yeah. this is what I want to know. So what would you recommend for someone out there that's looking for help right now? Like, let's say, I mean, they're just like, like you say, I mean, you're around to 24 hours. It's your kid. You're just emotionally drained, emotionally. I mean, for the, it's, <laughs> yeah, I'm like worried I mean, about my phrase, deaf and hard of hearing community. Yeah. yeah. So, so find, so find your people. Um, we in Temecula have a, well, it's technically started out of Murrieta, but um, it was co-founded by my business partner, Samantha, and her friend, Julia Rogoff, but it's a group called Go Bananas, um, and they are a primarily online on Facebook group, but they're very central to this area, so that's oh, a great. fantastic resource cool. for our Temecula Valley families because they are the ones that when you post and go this is my child's diagnosis. I literally have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. They can connect you with a million people who can help you. And that's exactly what happened to me. We moved up here five years ago. I was like, my child is newly identified. I'm, you know, this is all so overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and even as a person coming from, yeah, because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I had no idea that five years later I'd be sitting you know, with this knowledge and this experience, and I still have so much to learn. But, right. you know, I at the time, it was just like one day at a time, one hour at a time, one diaper change at a time. Like, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's just where we were at. So to have Go Bananas, to have um, the early intervention program as a resource was life, life-saving and life-changing because it was um, overwhelming, just isn't a powerful enough word to yeah. describe how it feels. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's so cool. And P.S. Cool. Kristen's also in law school right now. If she <laughs> couldn't already be doing enough stuff, you're yeah. pursuing your law degree. I am, yeah. So I, I have time on that. It's going to be a while. So <laughs> don't don't be calling me for yeah, no. for help yet. <laughs> no. I actually I have one more question. I don't I don't know if you have a question. Sorry, but I've been like thinking no, about this. I'm and just th- amazed. I know. I'm. She's a wealth of knowledge, and it's amazing. Well, towards the beginning of our conversation, I was referring to disability in mm-hmm. connection with. Yes. Here. So I'm really curious what your thoughts are on being considered learning disabled or in that disability you know, using that word in that community? So that's a really great question. I actually just did an entire talk about this when I went to DC about um, a community that's been coined the term um, deaf plus or DHH plus, which stands for deaf and hard of hearing plus. And that term is meant to be inclusive of people who are deaf and hard of hearing, but also have additional disabilities, which about 40% of people who have a hearing loss I, I, um, diagnosis have an additional disability. 40% is pretty high. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, and, and yet it's actually... I, if I had a dime for every time someone was like, we've never had a kid like William before, I'd be rich. <laughs> but um, I'm like, well, that's great. I've never had a kid like William before yeah, either. Exactly. So <laughs> let's Welcome let's to learn together. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, so basically, um, I kind of pulled my, you know, what what do they call that when you, um, you know, put something out on Facebook and you want to get feedback from a bunch of other oh, people. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, about. is it a poll? Yes, I, there's like a poll There's thing, a, there's a term. It's yeah, a little, I know exactly oh, I know what millennial term. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. Think tank it for lack yeah. of a better phrase. Yeah. Where, and I said, you know, I, I reached out to my my friends who are in the deaf community who are deaf. I said, well, you know, what is what do you think of this DHH plus term or deaf plus term? And they're like, oh, we really don't like it. Mm. Um, you know, and some people said, well, you know, we say deaf disabled or we say, you know, deaf autistic or whatever the deaf cerebral palsy, whatever the additional diagnosis is. I'm like, well, mm. my kid has like, that could be a mouthful. Seven diagnoses. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't even know which one I'd start with. Um, so when I was you know, prepping for my presentation that I did, I thought, okay, well, I have to, you know, I have to attack this animal. How am I going to, how am I going to not be offending people? And the, the conclusion I came to was one, not everyone identifies as being disabled. So for some people, the term disability or disabled has a very negative connotation. However, in the legal and educational and medical communities, those that's a powerful word. It's actually an empowering word because it enables you to advocate for rights. Mm-hmm. For example, I said the Americans with Disabilities Act. Yep. If mm-hmm. I don't if I'm afraid to say that word Disability. disabled when I'm utilizing and quoting that law in order to get something, then I'm I can't be like the Americans with 
differently able to act. You know, yeah. it just doesn't have that yeah. same power. But I, t- I can absolutely understand and appreciate where someone says, I don't feel disabled. I feel like I live my life. Yeah. I feel right. like I'm a successful person. So when I did do my presentation, I chose, I said, this. I'm going to say DHH plus. And here's why. I'm going to say it because not everyone's deaf. Not everyone identifies as being culturally or linguistically deaf. Not everyone wants to be called disabled, especially people in the deaf community. They yeah. don't see themselves as broken. They don't mm-hmm. see themselves as being unable, yeah. which is, you know, the, the broken down definition of that word. Sure. Right. Break down by right. word parts. Right. So that's, it's not perfect. Um, language is evolving constantly. We know that if we think about the things that we used to refer when we were talking about people with Down syndrome mm. and people with um, intellectual disabilities. Yeah, there's a long history of words that now when you say something, people just cringe and just kind of like go, you know, they're retarded. But, yeah. Think re- about how that word has changed not, over the that's years. That's a big no-no now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's kind of, and that was kind of like the evolution of hearing impairment. Yeah. And so I don't want to take the power that the word disability has away by not using it because it does have a lot of power because like I said when you Mm -hmm. need to use it for advocacy purposes in the educational medical and legal um, fields Mm -hmm. it carries a lot of weight as it should yeah um so but I also try to be respectful when people say I don't identify that way okay so it's more on an individual basis really absolutely yeah yeah so that's that's why it's um you know it's not one size fits all it's yeah. an evolving thing, and um, hopefully we're not going to try to be so afraid to say disability that we're going to end up um, taking away from the efficacy it has to, I like, say what it is. You know what I mean? Um, like, if I try to pretend that I don't need accommodation, then I'm not going to get accommodation because I need accommodation. Mm-hmm. I know I do. Yeah. Um, but I also t- deserve to be treated with respect and to be mm-hmm. treated like a human being. Yes. So just because someone is using that word disability doesn't mean they're less than. Right. That mm-hmm. they shouldn't have equality. Yeah. It's just the the identification that I need these accommodations and these supports in order to be treated as an equal like you. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Right. That you, yeah. It's just that you need a little bit more. Yeah. I mean. And Temecula, <laughs> come on now. Got a long ways to go. Temecula, <laughs> Temecula needs to advance a little bit, right? Every, you know, everyone does. We, yeah. we forget. We forget. Um, we have a very short-term memory about, you know, how how not too long ago people with, you know, mental illness were institutionalized or we forget. Absolutely. That, yeah. Um, you know, just two generations ago, if your child was born with a visible disability that they were institutionalized, they were taken from their parents and the parents were thought they were doing the right thing. So, you know, it's just every, with every generation, we learn more. We learn to do things a little bit better. And that's just where we're at. Do you feel like there is a movement in the uh, Temecula kind of city council government anything towards not that i'm aware of now do they i have any that's why she's getting her law degree do they have do they have interpreters even at like the city council meetings i don't feel like so that's actually a whole other animal yeah so there's 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 a um a current debate going on right now yeah there is a rabbit hole but just to summarize briefly there's a current debate going on about um the glorification of interpreters for the enjoyment of hearing people as opposed to it being recognized as an accessible an accessibility tool. Are you referring to those videos of people dancing yes, during and festivals? I actually know, like, and I actually know some of those interpreters and they're fabulous people and they are absolutely huge allies of the deaf community. But there are some people that are upset by it that they feel like it's taking from the conversation of access and equality and it's just saying oh look at this language and it's beautiful and it's fun to watch but the the history is lost i don't know what you guys are talking about i'm like no tell me what you're talking about so if you go on facebook or you go on youtube there's a lot of videos of um concerts like rock concerts um and or or rap even rap yeah um rap is actually um a chance the rapper is actually really one of someone I really respect, even though I, I love him. I, I don't 
particularly listen to rap, but I respect <laughs> him as a human being because he always has interpreters. He oh, wow. hires interpreters. He hires interpreters that tour with him. Oh, oh wow, that's cool. And the one that I saw on Facebook was actually deaf. He's deaf and he knows chances Just songs and he interprets everything. That's cool. Wow. Um, which did, I don't think people realize there yeah. are some there is a thing called the certified deaf interpreter. Wow. Um, so that's, that's shout out to chance the rapper. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, but the, so in that situation, that interpreter is deaf. So, and they're basically dancing along. Like, so you watch well, it. They're signing. It looks like they're while signing. they're signing. Absolutely. Yeah. But they're dancing, but they're yeah. dancing and they're doing it very I don't know, animated. It, it's, it's, there's a lot of showmanship to it. And, yeah. um, you know, people, first of all, don't, understand why deaf people might like music i'm like have you ever been to a deaf prom because they are loud like oh really yeah deaf people are loud they're not quiet <laughs> no i've never heard of a deaf prom <laughs> very loud now what is a deaf prom well like just like i mean a, just a prom like a hearing prom right it's a, so probably louder uh, really <laughs> well because you can still feel the vibrations well, too, right? Up, of the music yeah, deaf doesn't always mean you hear absolutely yeah. nothing yeah. right there's different levels of, of hearing loss like we talked about so just because someone's calling themselves deaf doesn't mean they can't hear anything mm. so um and you know mu- music is for everybody oh yeah. absolutely um well but even if you have zero hearing you can, you can feel still it. feel the vibration absolutely. right yeah or you can i you can um identify with the lyrics and it can be powerful and yeah and you know touch you that way so music is for everybody it's, yeah it's universal speaking um, of music did you see America's Got Talent with Cody. Yes, Cody Lee. <laughs> Did you cry watching that? I with yeah. his his mom is what made me I, cry. Yeah, I was gonna say I I oh. really that's yeah. what that's what gets me because I get yes. it because I have you know I have a child with with yep. you know multiple disabilities and I'm just like Ooh. Yeah. what I love too is when he won watching his mom and how she was trying so hard to like step back in yes. the background and, and let, let him have him. his moment yep. even though she just wanted to like smother <laughs> That's him good parenting right there. it was yeah. such a good yeah. moment she just good wanted job, him to have it and yeah. she stepped back but you could just see like i'm gonna cry right now just yeah. about her face well, <laughs> well you can tell she's it was just, it's, just it's all the years of fighting for yep. access yeah. and fighting for yep. therapies and driving to therapies and you totally. know like that's that's all that comes flooding you go oh, it was wow. worth yeah. it and she's just sitting yeah. there watching him be over the moon happy and yes. just like it's all been worth it yeah see oh. music is forever yes for yeah. sure yeah nice what's the biggest thing someone should do when approaching someone that's deaf that's a really good question <laughs> good question. Oh, i love it that's a great that's a great last question um so a couple things one just treat him like a person uh-huh just don't be afraid just right. say hi hi and waving hello and waving goodbye are universal yeah right um you can not try to lip read. Don't, for the love of God, start talking slower and louder. Can you hear? Because that (laughs) distorts your mouth and actually makes it way more difficult. Harder for them to understand. Yeah. Yeah. So just speak normally. Make sure you have eye contact. Make sure you're facing them. Um, Make sure that you have their attention before you start speaking. Um, And don't, you know, like turn to point behind you and then they can't see your face anymore. Um, But then very often that person will let you know what their needs are. They'll let you know, hey, you can, you know, let's text or, hey, I'll write, I'll write stuff down um, and we can communicate that way. Or they'll just, um, lip reading is not a thing. Um, it is for a lot of people, <laughs> but the the science behind it says it's only about 30% accurate. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a tool. It's not a, um, it's not a comprehensive language yeah. access. It's, it's a piece of a puzzle. Um, that's what you're doing when you're lip reading is you're taking little bits of information. And when you are an adult and you've had a lifetime of experience, you can go, oh, I caught that one word. Okay, I, I yeah. know. I think I know what you're talking about. It's, it's like using they, the picture when you're reading a story to exactly. help you yeah. understand. Or it's the like the memes that they make on the Internet of yeah. like bad lip reading. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. So, I mean, and I and I know some so like uh, William's deaf mentor is very, very good at, you know, advocating for herself but she does um you know lip read for people that you know don't know any sign language but it's it's not it's It's not the same as accessibility yeah it's it's not the same thing but that's a really good question it's just treat them like a person let them guide you as far as what their communication preferences are and you know just just try to be respectful and friendly and kind because we're we're just like everybody else. Yeah. We all got our problems. We all have our talents. Yep. Positivity goes a long way. Absolutely. 
and friendliness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we are absolutely done. <laughs> I think we've totally run over our time. Our dog is snoring. I don't know. Yeah, I can't hear the that. Table. That's good. Yeah. That's see exactly. That's, <laughs> just that's that. there's a not positive, bothering me. There's a positive in everything. <laughs> Um, so thank you. Thank you for coming out. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. You know what? Let's just, uh, give us again what, if someone needs to contact you or contact your... Yeah, so, um, organizations to know are CaliforniaHandsAndVoices.org. I think it's CAHandsAndVoices.org is their, um, actual domain name. And then my... um, What is, what do they do? They are a... family support groups. So we have family camps, we have advocacy resources, we have support groups online, informational resources, Mm -hmm. just basically everything you can imagine for when you get that diagnosis and you're just like, now what? Yeah. It that's go there. Yeah. That will be your next stop and they will, they will help you. Um, and then if you feel like you need an additional, um, person at your table to help, um, make it a very collaborative and effective IEP process or you just need advice, um, mortonadvocacygroup.com. Okay. And that's Morton's based out of here. Yeah. Yes. M- M- Temecula. 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 Yeah. Right, we are, yeah. we are both Temecula so people. So, nice. um, we'll, we'll travel, you know, a, a pretty fair distance for clients, but the majority of our clients are at the Temecula Valley area. And our children will go, uh, and see William again and we'll, learn yeah. some more so. i need to learn halloween be awesome. from you before yes you i will teach you, you. Okay. Oh, yeah, there, you go. there you go all right well thank you again and thank you everybody for listening uh you can listen to this uh, i don't think i've ever really plugged this but <laughs> it's on itunes spotify what is it anywhere on? you Stitcher, can hear exactly podcasts commuteville temecula because if you're listening to it you probably found it correct <laughs> good point you can wait and review us on Anyway, thank you so much and have fun. Bye.